Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. One key dimension of Franz Fanon's book, Black Skin, White Masks, is what we can call an interplay, or as he's going to say at several points, a dialectic between what we can understand as the universal and the specific or particular. And this is taking place in a number of different ways within the work. So it's not always exactly the same particular, exactly the same universal that we're looking at. And so we should think about what the orientation, the self-description of Fanon's project is. So his motivations are to provide a psychoanalytic analysis rather than a strictly philosophical one, a orientation that is going to come out of his own work as a psychotherapist, as somebody who's there in the world, going through a lot of different experiences. And the situation that he says he's focusing on is that of the black person in the French Antilles within a particular sphere, you can say, of the colonial world. And this is a, a rather unique one that I think for audiences in other places, particularly American audiences, you want to sort of adjust to, to this. The French Antilles has a different orientation culturally in relation to other areas that, that would be African or, or black, right? And so there's a different dynamic going on there that he's examining, but he tells us that this can apply much more broadly. And that's indeed why Black Skin, White Masks is such an influential work. So let's look at the specificity of the Antillean situation. He talks about this in a few different points in the work. So very early on, He's talking about Antillians that have gone to France, the country that's their, you know, they're, they're essentially incorporated within to the culture of. And he's, he's already talking about the nature of language and, and how important that is. And he says, in every country of the world, there are climbers, the ones who forget who they are. And in contrast to them, the ones who remember where they came from. So he's sketching out a dynamic that is rather universal. He says, the Antilles Negro who goes home from France expresses himself in dialect. If he wants to make it plain, nothing has changed. He skips down a bit further and he says, in a more limited group, when students from the Antilles meet in Paris. So now he's talking about people sort of transplanted out of their uh, original place into Paris. And he, by the way, Paris is not just problematic for people from the Antilles or other colonies, but also from other parts of France as well. He brings up Lyon. He says they have two possibilities. They can stand with the white world and since they will speak French to be able to confront certain problems and incline to a certain degree of universality in their conclusions or to reject Europe and cling together in their dialect, making themselves quite comfortable in what we shall call the umwelt, the environment of Martinique. By this I mean, and this applies particularly to my brothers of the Antilles, 
When one of us tries in Paris or any other universal city to study a problem seriously, he's accused of self-aggrandizement and the surest way of cutting him down is to remind him of the Antilles by exploding into dialect. So you're posed with a choice. Do you talk in the universal language, in this case French, or do you talk in a dialect, in which case, you know, different conditions get imposed on you. And this situation of having to deal with these choices over and over again, Again, is part of the Antillean situation. He also talks much later on in the work, in the, the discussion about recognition. He says that it's not just this or that Antillean who embodies the neurotic formation, but all Antilleans, Antillean societies, a neurotic society, a society of comparison. Hence, we are driven back from the individual back to the social structure. The Martinican is and is not a neurotic. And this is coming up in a discussion of Adler, who's, who's an important psychoanalyst at the time. And he's saying that there's something, it's not unique to the Antilles, but there is something to the Antillean situation. Earlier in the work, he actually talks about the Lacanian mirror stage and talks about uh, an experiment where you have somebody go through a process of, of thinking things through and what a mirror image would be and Antillian saying that that person was neither black nor white. They had no color. So can you work from a situation like that to, to describe more broadly a situation. And he says, yes, as a matter of fact, the, as he says, the analysis must extend more universally. So he says, on the basis of other studies and my own personal observations, I want to show in terms of language, why the Negro adopts such a position peculiar to him with respect to European languages. Let me point out once more that the conclusions I have reached pertain to the French Antilles, but then he goes on and he says, at the same time, I'm not unaware that the same behavior patterns obtain in every race that has been subjected to colonization. Now that is a very broad thing that he's saying right there. It doesn't just refer to black and white or French colonialism. He is saying any race, any people, any situation of people within a society that have been subjected to this, this research that I'm carrying out can apply to them. Later on in the work, he brings this up again and explicitly clarifies. He says, in the beginning, I wanted to confine myself to the Antilles. And what's he referring to? He's actually bringing up Sartre's introduction to this anthology and then a critique of it. The critique says this, this anthology which puts Antillians, Guanians, Senegalese, and Malagasies on the same footing, all, all of these are parts of the, you could say, French colonial sphere, creates a deplorable confusion in the way it states the cultural problem of the overseas colonies by detaching them from the historical and social reality of each of them, from the national characteristics and the varying conditions imposed on each of them by imperialist exploitation and oppression. So the question here is, how do you take into account the specificity, the particularity of cultures that have had similar dynamics imposed on them, but in different ways, with different histories, with different results, and sometimes posed in relation to each other, where the Senegalese will be used as enforcers, the soldiers, to maintain order by the French colonial government against, say, those in Madagascar or those in the French Antilles, right, or in, in other places. 
So he goes on and he says, I wanted to confine myself to the Antilles, regardless of consequences, dialectic took the upper hand, and I was compelled to see that the Antillian is first of all a Negro. Nevertheless, it would be impossible to overlook the fact, as he goes on, that there are Negroes whose nationality is different and there are Negro republics. So how can one claim to have got hold of an essential when such facts as these demand one's recognition? So he's posing this problem here, and we're gonna come back to this in, in just a bit. This is a significant issue. How do you, by doing something like a psychoanalytic or perhaps, you know, you could say a Marxist critique, although he's, you know, he's a bit distrustful of the Marxists in some respects or something ethnographic. How do you extend from that to talking about these dynamics more generally? So there's, there's a double consciousness and there's alternatives, you can say, that are rooted in race for Fanon. He goes on in this section and he says, we can't overlook the fact there are Negroes whose nationality is Belgian, French, English, different worlds. You know, the Belgian Congo is not the same thing as English Nigeria is not the same thing as French Senegal. And each of them has their own processes of development and ways in which colonialism was imposed. I mean, with Belgium and the Congo, you in effect have genocide being committed for the purpose of gathering rubber. So he says, there are also Negro republics. How can one claim to have gotten hold of an essential when these demand one's recognition. The truth is that the Negro race has been scattered. It can no longer claim unity, but there is a sort of unity that comes with it, with, with the dynamic. He says, in the universal situation of the Negro, there's an ambiguity which is resolved in his concrete existence. What is that? He says, against all the arguments I have cited, I come back to one fact, wherever he goes, the Negro remains a Negro. So it's a matter really of what is imposed upon one by others by virtue of these racial markers and the cultural situation that goes with it. So there's a double consciousness of this and he goes on and talks about this as well a little bit later on. Again, picking up Sartre, he says, one can understand why Sartre views the adoption of a Marxist position by black poets as the logical conclusion of Negrohood. In effect, what happens is this, as soon as I begin to recognize that the Negro is the symbol of sin, I catch myself hating the Negro, but then I recognize that I'm the Negro. There's two ways out of this conflict. There's a dilemma being posed. Either I ask others to pay no attention to my skin or else I want them to be aware of it. I then try to find value for what is bad since I've unthinkingly conceded the black man as the color of evil. And he calls this a neurotic situation in which I'm compelled to choose an unhealthy conflictual situation fed on fantasies. And he says, I have one other solution to rise above this absurd drama others have staged around me to reject the two terms that are equal and unacceptable and through one human being to reach out for the universal. So once again, we see this interplay of the particular, in this case, the individual and the universal. So what, what is the universal that we can talk about here? Well, part of it is a universal situation of racism, exploitation, domination carried out. And Fanon has some very 
useful things to say about this. He says, he's criticizing this Manoni who is talking about Madagascar. And he says that Manoni says that colonial exploitation is not the same as other forms of exploitation. Colonial racialism is different than other forms of racialism. Fanon goes on and he says, he speaks of phenomenology, psychoanalysis of human brotherhood. So Fanon is positioning himself in relation to Manoni as somebody who's coming from the same background of useful approaches. And then he says, we would be happier if these terms had taken on a more concrete quality form. More concrete quality, meaning paying closer attention to particularity. He says, all forms of exploitation resemble one another. This is Fanon's position. They all seek the source of their necessity in some edict of a biblical nature. All forms of exploitation are identical because all of them are applied against the same object, man. And then he, he goes on and he says, colonial racism is no different from any other racism. It's not fundamentally different. In fact, what's going on here is the result of a historical contingency, we could say. A little bit later on, towards the end of the work, he says, the Negro problem does not resolve itself into the problem of Negroes living among white men, but rather of Negroes exploited, enslaved, despised by a colonialist, capitalist society. And here's the key point, that is only accidentally white. We could go on a little bit more, and we, we will in just a moment, but we should hesitate on, on some of those matters. It's a historical contingency that Europeans wound up being the dominant race, also in former colonies as well, and exploiting, in some cases exterminating, and subjugating other races. In fact, hardening the concept of race as well in the process. Uh, it could have been other groups as well. And this could be extended to other dominant nationalities or whatever we want to think about. So this could be applied to, say, Han Chinese domination in communist China of other nationalities. This could be applied in many other cases. Wherever you have, as he's saying, being exploited, enslaved, despised by a colonialist capitalist society, we would have this going on. Now, does that make it no longer an issue of black and white. Well, it's, it's all just a universal human dynamic. No, the historical contingency matters because that does determine things for people. And we can say that there's a recognition on Fanon's part of different universalities in the past and in the present. And here's where we get to another dilemma that arises. He says, you wonder, Mr. Solomon, what you would do if you had 800,000 Negroes in France, because for you, there's a problem, the problem of the increase of Negroes, the problem of the black peril. But the Martinican is a Frenchman. He wants to remain part of the French Union. He asks only one thing. He wants the idiots and the exploiters to give him the chance to live like a human being. I can imagine myself lost, submerged in a white flood, composed of men like Sartre or Aragon. I should like nothing better. And he goes on and he says, I do not feel I should be abandoning my personality by marrying a, a European. If my children are, are suspected, it will be simply because society will not have changed. We've got this double consciousness going on and a recognition on Fanon's part that there's not just one universality, but different ways of understanding and living out universality. Lastly, there's also diversity and distinctions, we could say in black situations, but also the possibility of developing understanding. So some examples of this distinction that we can say, he says, 
It's obvious that in this quest for disalienation by a doctor of medicine born in Guadalupe it can be understood only by recognizing motivations basically different from those of the Negro laborer building the port facilities in Abidjan. In the first case, the alienation is all, almost an intellectual character insofar as he conceives of European culture's means of stripping himself of his race, he becomes alienated. In the second case, it is a question of a victim of a system based on the exploitation of a given race by another, on the contempt in which a given branch of humanity is held by a form of civilization that pretends to superiority. And he says, I wouldn't ask those who are not in my situation, in fact, a privileged situation, to share in my conclusions. I can understand where they're coming from. And so there's this incredible diversity within, we can say, black situations. Colonialism is not exactly the same in every case. One can't identify oneself as the universal black subject with all others. He talks about that at a number of other points in, in the work, that it doesn't actually help anybody to do that. We already talked about the universal situation of the Negro, that wherever he goes, the person remains a Negro. And, then, and he continues in that, that passage saying, in some countries, the Negro has entered into the culture. It would be impossible to ascribe too much importance in the way in which white children establish contact with the reality of the Negro. And here he's talking about the United States and saying the situation is, is different for a segregationist United States than it is for Antillians, than it is for Senegalese, than it is for people in other parts of sub-Saharan black Africa, say in East Africa, right? So this is an important set of distinctions, but here's something worth ending on. The approach that Fanona is taking overall relies on the capacity for understanding outside of the sphere of our lived experience and being able to take into account others experience. So he goes on and he says, I sincerely believe a subjective experience can be understood by others. It would give me no pleasure to announce that the black problem is my problem and mine alone and it's up to me to study it. But that doesn't mean that everybody is automatically as open, as accessible, as transparent. And so he's faulting, you know, some previous scholars for not having been, we could say, thoughtful enough for not having, here he goes, Mr. Manoni has not tried to feel himself into the despair of the man of color confronting the white man. And so he says, I made it a point to convey the misery of the black man physically and affectively. I've not wished to be objective. Uh, that would be dishonest. It's not possible for me to be objective, but that doesn't mean that it's pure subjectivity or that only one's lived experience matters. A little bit later in the work, he says that what we do with phenomenology and for the kind of psychoanalysis that Fanon is doing, phenomenology is really central, is less the study of a large number of instances than the intuitive and deep understanding of a few individual cases. So again, we have the issue of the particularity and universality. Can one, as Fanon is doing, begin with the situation of a particular exploited and alienated people, those of the French Antilles, and then generalize to how to understand colonialism, exploitation, capitalism, racism, all these things that are connected together historically, the answer is yes. There's no one simple, single, straightforward way. And I, I do want to end by invoking that word dialectic. This means that there's always going to have to be a back and forth involved in it. And that no particular work, including this one, will be the last word on both you know, the universal situation and the particular situation on the ground.
Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.